Hello and welcome to the AFPT Comics Podcast, episode 149. My name is David Brook and I'm here with Nathan Simmons. And oh my god, my tummy is full. How about you, Nathan? It's good. It's big. It's full. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm sleepy. We made it through Thanksgiving and uh, we're about to approach December. That means gift guides, best of lists, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. With Maybe those things will be coming onto the show. Maybe not. Who knows? As we get closer to 200 episodes, <laughs> inching ever closer, the holidays keep ticking on. The years start coming and they don't stop coming, Dave. Episode 151, I'm just going to go off. Oh, my God. I mean, I can officially, at that point. Yeah, that's when AIPT enters sicko mode. <laughs> sicko mode. There you go. Nightmare mode. Uh, if you don't know, this is the comic book podcast where we recap the biggest news of the week. We review our favorite comics. We have guests on too, and talk a little bit about next week as well. Yeah. To start every show, we talk about the news, and this week, the biggest news might be that Marvel teased a new X Men era. They had Dawn of X, Reign of X, and then next is what would your guess be after Dawn of X, Reign of X? What would it be? Um, rinse of X. Rinse of X. Repeat of X. <laughs> <laughs> Rinse, repeat. I see what you're saying. Actually, it's called Destiny of X. Oh. Uh, we know almost nothing about it, except that it's coming spring 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, likely, uh, it'll be... So, we've got X Lives of Wolverine, X Deaths of Wolverine, which is ending, I think, in February. Yeah. When does spring start? March. Okay, March. So, yeah. Right around after that, yeah. we will find April out the next era. showers of X. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like, when Dawn of X started... You got to feel like, okay, this is what's after Hawks and Pox. It felt like the dawn. Right. Mm-hmm. Reign of X, I don't know. It didn't really have a, like a vibe. It had a little bit of a rain. holding pattern feel. We were talking yeah. about this a little bit off off mic where like mm-hmm. the, the issues that I, the, the stuff that I've been getting really excited about in X-Men lately, aside from the Hellfire Gala, has been like yeah. the big fight books. Like I've been enjoying right. a lot of like the bonkers action. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing like a new era kickoff. Likely, uh, this will heavily involve the character Destiny. In fact, the teaser shows a quote from the character. Um, This character is very important in the Inferno books right now. So we'll see how that spins out of that. In other X-Men news, if you read X-Men Monday, and why don't you if you like AAPTComics.com, Chris Hassan uh, interviewed the entire X-Office, including some new editors too. And one of the editors, I don't think they knew, they were giving away some tidbit information yeah they said that they're working on a book called immortal x-men which has not yet been solicited hey that's exciting the first thought i had when when i saw the title was is this going to be about the five the people that can resurrect Mm -hmm. uh, mutants that would be i feel like that would be the the you know the, the the most obvious choice right yeah yeah i would say so so yeah look for more news on immortal x-men as we go forward in some Depressing Marvel news. Yeah, it turned out that uh, Luke Cage: City of Fire, a uh, shoot, a Devil's Reign tie-in, uh, has been canceled. Uh, Marvel hasn't said anything officially about this, but uh, the news came out after the series writer Hoche Anderson uh, took to Instagram and explained. They are very proud of this work. Mm. I'll just read it. Maybe someday it will be seen, but as of today, this comic is dead in the water. If you want answers, I am not the man to ask. My heart is broken. I'm taking social media break to lick my wounds. Somewhere God is having a chuckle. Enjoy it. Yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, it. Yeah. This was this was supposed to have a very uh, uh, very relevant storyline as well. Luke Cage up against the corrupt regulators investigating the the murder of a man by police officer. 
Um, and there have been, you know, there's some rumblings online that people are wondering if Marvel canceled this because it's a, a political story or, or a, you know, uh, upsettingly relevant story. I think mm, I was mm -hmm. really looking forward to this because I'm a huge Luke Cage fan. And um, I don't know, it's it's been a while since we've seen him like at the forefront of a very topical and important type of story. Mm -hmm. um, and, and especially because, you know, if they had finished the first issue and were deep into production on two and three, it's just it's so strange that it would come to a halt. You know, I mean, we were we were trying to figure out if it's paper shortages or something like that. But I feel right, like, right. I don't know. Marvel still hasn't made an announcement about this. And normally, no. it, you know, it, it, it's not really broken by the, the people who are working on it. So. I, I yeah, hope they, Marvel yeah. gets out in front of this and at least explains why it, why they made this decision. I was reminded we had Declan Shalvey on a few months ago, yeah. and I think on air, <laughs> we were talking a little bit about how he has three issues of a book in a drawer that was actually exclusively announced Obaracuda. on the IPT. Yeah. Yeah, this Punisher story. Now, at the time, maybe, I don't know, maybe there was political reasons for that being canceled too, because, you know, of course, Punisher think, is a violent Barracuda kind of character. I think was, was a, was a, was one of the early, uh, cancellations due to COVID. Yeah. I mean, it, it was right. one of those like, okay, we have to push this back a little bit. And the further back it got pushed, the less, uh, relevant and accurate, I think it became to the comics. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to tell these days, you know, why, why something doesn't see the light of day. Punisher is a similar character to Luke Cage in that they both haven't really had a main series for it's a been bit. A I mean, yeah, Matthew Rosenberg did do that Punisher run, but yeah, that was gosh, time flies. Jindy <laughs> uh, Tartakovsky's Cage, if anybody hasn't read it, is a is a fantastic mini series with just some uh, really incredible, vibrant artwork and and fun storytelling. I would I would recommend people seek that out. Um, yeah, and I was I was pretty underwhelmed by the Heroes Reborn treatment of Cage. So, uh, right, yeah, I, I was even more chomping at the bit for City of Fire, and particularly because this is a tie-in to an event. It does seem odd that Marvel would pull it like this, sure. and it could be politically motivated, um, because I mean tie-ins sell, and yeah. you know, you, it's only it's not even a high um, risk kind of series. It's I think it was only solicited as three issues. Much of the uh, Devil's Reign tie-ins are two to three issues, so right. very odd. I doubt Marvel will ever comment on this because they usually just kind of let it go and yeah. hope everyone forgets. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, and you're right; creators don't usually outspokenly talk about it like that. In part because a lot of them probably don't want their jobs to be at risk or anything like that. Right. Which just goes back to our talk about the uh, Image Comics Union a few weeks ago. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, these creators can't—they don't—they don't have protections that they should have. Yeah. Moving on, and our next bit of news: Oni Press exclusively announced a new series, actually a new graphic novel mm -hmm. called Silk Hills. It's coming out next summer. They exclusively announced it on APT. Everybody's got the news now. It's by Ryan Farrow, <laughs> Brian Level, and Kate Sharon. Mm -hmm. And uh, this sounds rad. <laughs> I mean, if you have horror and Appalachia, I mean, it's just, it writes itself. Yes. Right? Yeah. And hallucinatory <laughs> horror as well. It looks pretty trippy. Yeah, it does. Yeah, there's a few pages on APT you can check out. And it's Silk um, Hills, not Silk Kills, like Halloween Kills. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Silk uh, Hills. But I love it. it it's, uh, they're, 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 it's, uh, it takes place in like the, um, in an area that's kind of famous for, for Mothman sightings, which is another mm. real sweet spot for me. 
Uh, Whenever you evoke Twin Peaks and X-Files, you already have my attention. Yeah, no kidding. It says, perfect for fans of Twin Peaks and the X-Files and themes calling back to Italian slasher films. And I'm like, did I write this while I was asleep? Like, this sounds great. (laughs) It's a dream. It's a dream come true. I can't wait. Uh, It comes out in May. Yes, it does. Um, So I have, I was wrong. It's not summer. It's May. Yeah. Um, In our next bit of news, Image announces Razorblade's small cut special for April and I have no idea what this is. Honestly, <laughs> I was looking at the press release for trying to write write this news, and I'm like, is this just collecting some of the stories from Razorblades? So if you don't know, Razorblades is a magazine that James Tynan and Steve Fox put together, they edited and curated yeah. uh, five issues of, and it's like 80 plus pages of uh, horror stories from a variety of creators, uh, including pros and stuff. I and now the, believe, the image is announcing yeah. this one shot. Uh, I believe it is a collection specifically of Tynan's stories. Okay, from that makes sense. And uh, I guess it, I guess it's like sort of like an add-on. Maybe it's a taste tester in mm. a sense for the Razorblades Omnibus that's also coming out at the same time, yeah, the same day, right? Yeah, yeah, wild. Previous World had this little bit about how if you buy five copies of the Omnibus, you get one copy of this. Oh well, I mean, what a deal. <laughs> <laughs> just a really expensive exercised volume yeah. and you get this little one floppy <laughs> yeah no i i bought five copies of the james bond box set and they gave me a specter disc just just loose <laughs> for free oh man it just gets you it just gets you hype yeah it was like when i got the indiana jones box set and i got that free coaster of uh kingdom of the crystal skull <laughs> did you really no it's just uh. i just use the disc as a coaster Oh, perfect. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I got jokes. Can't wait for the next one. Indiana Jones. What have we had? Six? Five? Five. Five. Yeah. Oh, man. It is interesting to me that Image Comics is like, is milking the right word? It's almost like Razorblades was coming out yeah. all independent, and yeah. now Image has come in and been like, look, we can get a little more money out of this if we put together this one shot. It is interesting. I mean, it, it you know, it is a good way to, I guess, if you're not going to drop you know, however much the omnibus is, this would give you a good idea of, you know, mm. if this is for you, if you dig this kind of thing. I will say mm-hmm. Tynan's stories were a little more um, plotted and less like stream of consciousness. Uh, yeah, Because that's, right. that's the, like the charm of razor blades is there's all kinds of different types of storytelling in there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I <laughs> it does make me laugh that they're just like, if you buy five of this hardcover, <laughs> you get an extra floppy. Yeah, it should be the other way around. Right. Yeah. No. Well. Well. well yeah, I don't know. Maybe or maybe every omnibus should come with one free copy. There you go. To to help comic shops who are still struggling. Yeah. With the pandemic. But you know who's not struggling? Brew the Wanderer. That's of course. <laughs> He's just wandering. <laughs> you know he always has something to do because there's always somewhere to wander. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sergio Aragones Ar- uh, grew is getting an animated movie mm-hmm. or adaptation. Is it a movie or is it a show? I'm not sure. Uh, unclear. Uh, I, I it, know that, that they, they've sold the animation rights, so it yeah. hasn't. I don't think it's actually entered production or anything like that. Um, this is going to be a huge hit in Europe. I mean, I think Gru's a much bigger I love Gru. thing over yeah, there. Yeah, I was a huge Gru fan when I was a kid. Um, yeah. And uh, just, I love that that character has endured. Mm-hmm. A character that hasn't had to adore very long and is already <laughs> successful is a character, well, not a character, a book called Noctera. Yeah. Uh, Scott Snyder's Noctera, which actually we talked about with Scott in January, I think. Yeah. Um, it's uh, getting a, uh, a deal with, at Netflix uh, through uh, the writer Robert Pantino. He's uh, helping uh, curate it. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's exciting. It's um yeah, the the uh one of the lead writers on Westworld is uh, is working on the series. And right, Patino's also done that DMZ show on uh, HBO Max. Uh, yeah, yeah, which I'm looking forward to for sure. Uh, at the same time, um on Friday I think it was, Scott Snyder tweeted that uh he's joining the Witches writers room. Yeah, officially, which is yeah. great cuz he's been, you know, breaking that out for a while now. I've, I've interviewed Scott, and you've interviewed with him yeah. me, with me a few times, uh, quite a few times. Do you suppose now that he's becoming a big Hollywood guy, that he'll stop talking to us? No, no he remembers. <laughs> he'll remember us. <laughs> What's your name? Day, day. It's Dan, David. right? David. David. They call me that in Spanish class. Oh, cool! Very cool. Yeah. I, very cool. I don't know why I'm. I don't know why I'm roasting you today. I'm sorry. No, keep going. I like it. Okay. I like to be teased. In oh, our no. next bit of news and last bit of news, yeah. Wicked Comic Con 2022 was announced. Mm-hmm. It'll be taking place in Boston April 9th. And uh, this was an interesting bit of news. Wicked Comic Con. For starters, I live in the Boston area, and the Boston Comic Con founders actually sold their convention to, um, what's it called? Informa, mm. who does the Fan Expo convention series. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. So... I had two thoughts immediately when I saw this news. One, uh, were they like illegally obligated to not create a new convention for a certain amount of years? Because they sold it in 2016 uh, before creating a new that one, would right? That makes sense. There, was, there probably was like a, a, you know, some kind of non-competition agreement. And then who, right. who knows if that maybe actually expired, you know, in 2020 and they couldn't do a con. Right. Yeah, you're right. Because it's been a, a little bit, like four, what would be four or five years now. Yeah. So this is a one-day convention. Um, it was just simply it was just announced. It literally, if you go to their website, uh, if you're an artist or a vendor, you can uh, sign up now. Cool. Um, it's also got some pretty big names already mm-hmm. attached to it, including Simon Beasley, Sweeney Boo, Nick Bradshaw, Sean Murphy, but not Francis Manipool. So this was weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wrote the news up, tweeted it out. Tagged Francis Manipal, and Francis replied saying, this must be a typo. I am not doing any cons next year, and I am not doing this convention. Interesting. What's particularly weird is it's not like they accidentally added his name. They added his name and linked to his website. Press so release. like, yeah. hmm. it's not like he's, this is a different Francis Manipal. So something's up with that. It's very odd. Yeah, that'll, I'll be Other names, though, plays out. Like Ben Templesmith, who's going, he always went to Boston Comic Con yeah. back when there was a Boston Comic Con, so he must live in the area. Yeah. But uh, as a one-day event, uh, it should be low risk, but we'll see. We'll see how the pandemic pans out in April. Yeah, we'll see. Do you suppose there could be a lawsuit for <laughs> Wicked Comic Con based on the logo? I was wondering that as well, where they're not only using the words Comic Con, but also it looks like the Marvel logo. The it's the Marvel N upside down with yellow text over it, like the old Marvel logo used yeah. to be. Interesting. It, it's a it's a it's a choice. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. Uh, I might actually cover it because you know I live in the area. Yeah. Uh, moving on to our standout. Kapow! Moment of the week. This is our favorite moment of the week. Before we get to the reviews. We want to talk about one page or panel that we simply loved. Yeah, and I want I want you to go first because I, I right. have a little thing to go with my. Oh, ooh, showman! He's a showman, folks. Yes, I am. Uh, my favorite moment Theater came from major. Doctor Strange. Look at me. 
look, I'm spinning plates and dancing. <laughs> Did you know I can juggle? And our, <laughs> so I'm I in like so that. much student debt. <laughs> you really enjoy that debt. I love like. it. It's a lot, my favorite. A lot of debt. joy. <laughs> it's the best kind. <laughs> Uh, I really like the moment in Death of Doctor Strange number three by uh, Jeb McKay and Lee Garbutt. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a character reveal. Uh, it's this giant baby that eats magic. Um, if you go to aptcomics.com, you can see this page. So scary. And, yeah, it's this dark. There's no emotion in its eyes. It wants mm-hmm. to eat you, kill you. Um, but it it's almost like it has a mustache. This beast. <laughs> sure. But it's coming out of its chin. Salvador it's a baby. Dali baby. Yeah, you're right. So what's interesting in this issue, uh, we learn more about this creature that eats magic. Yeah. It's basically like a magical Galactus in that Amazing. it consumes magic. It's like its whole, whole thing. But when it's first revealed, the way the tendrils look in the head, yeah. it actually made me think of Galactus because Galactus has that helmet that's oh, sure. got those like side flanges mm-hmm. for speed. And uh, this <laughs> Galactus, <laughs> this the most aerodynamic of cosmic beings. <laughs> You got to be aerodynamic in space, man. Mm-hmm. Think of the whales. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think um, Lee Garbutt designed all of these uh, mm-hmm. monsters, these creatures, the uh, the three mothers included. And I just like this design. It's like foreboding and scary, but also it's a baby. It's got a big head and it needs to be protected and somebody should. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> we'll see if it continues to evolve <laughs> as it eats more magic. What was your favorite moment of the week? Uh, my favorite moment of the week was from Star Wars Life Day number one. Uh, this is their holiday special uh, written by Steve Orlando, Jody Hauser, and a whole bunch of other folks. Um, this It's the final page of the story, and the, the whole idea is that it's, it's following uh, Han and Chewbacca's efforts to get, to, uh, to, to, to get home, basically, for, to be able to celebrate Life Day. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very much a riff on the idea of the classic uh, Star Wars holiday special. Um, and uh, the final page has these has Chewbacca and Han Solo embracing. And Han's uh, narration says, sometimes you have to kick back with your best pal by your side. It's life day after all. A day of peace, of harmony. Um, and that is a lyric <laughs> from a what? song... That is no. sung in the Star Wars holiday special that I'm sending Dave right now. And I'm hoping maybe we can drop just a little clip of it in yeah. the episode. Oh, were you humming it while you read? I just was very, I was genuinely surprised that they they went that far as to like throw that, that actual bit of dialogue mm. in. But it made me smile because this is like nice. this part of the, the uh, holiday special just... Always blows my mind that there was uh, a song at the end. It's funny how that holiday special was like a great shame, but now that people have grown up and they had it in their lives when they were younger, like it's this like nostalgic. And that's the weird thing is that like they people really didn't have it in their lives unless they recorded it off of television the one time it Mm -hmm. aired or they bought a bootleg, but it's become Mm -hmm. just this infamous piece of ephemera like for the Star Wars franchise. It's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Wookiee porn. There's some Wookiee porn in it. There's a, there's a weird uh, (laughs) Jefferson Starship performance. Um, Yeah. We saw the introduction of Boba Fett too. So yes, that's the best part. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, that was my pick nice. just because it. I was just kind of I don't know. It tickled me that that uh, yeah. that song got a shout out as like the button for the story. It's so heartwarming. Yeah, yeah. We're I'm I'm gonna try to have a uh, watch party for that this oh, nice. year. <laughs> That's awesome. Moving on in our top books of the week, we're gonna talk about our top two favorite comics out this week. Yeah, and this week only. Mm-hmm. The only time. Get them while they're hot. Uh, Nathan, what was your second favorite book of the week? My second favorite book of the week was Hulk number one by Donny Cates and Ryan Otley. This was a book that I reviewed for the site and I fully, um, I think I tweeted this. I had to, when I finished reading it, I had to like take a walk. Yeah. (laughs) Like let it settle because I was just like, what, what did I just read? Like it's, it's genuinely like a baffling book, but in a way that's kind of thrilling. Like They weren't kidding when they said, like, we're just going to do something totally new with Hulk. Um, Right. And there's parts of it that are really kind of hard to follow, um, but in a way that, like, I think is intentional. Like, you're you're kind of joining the the Avengers in the middle of a Hulk based crisis. uh, And and I I think we're going to get a little bit of an explanation for why Banner has like taken this turn and why things are shaking out the way they are as the story goes along. Um, But what we've got right now is some of the craziest action I've seen in a in a big two book in a while. I mean, there's a bit where the Hulk literally just tears its his own arm off. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that's gross. Yep. Um, And the most brutal fight you'll ever see between Hulk and Iron Man is in this issue, I think. Um, Yeah, the the dialogue is uh, is super uh, dark and interesting and kind of uh, philosophizes on, you know, the 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 purpose of the Hulk, whether Banner is the monster, Hulk is the monster, that eternal question. But it's it's kind of pushed to its most absurdist, weird conclusion here. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think just just I respected the hell out of this book for just how weird it got, right? Um, and I uh, really looking forward to number two. I love when Spider Man's like, "Hey, real quick, is uh, anyone else very confused?" Yes, it felt <laughs> it felt like he that was for us. <laughs> it was, and that was good. That was good on Donnie's part because I can imagine some people were getting angry or frustrated at that point, and sure. then it's like, "Oh wait, Spider Man's confused too." Then we're in the same boat. Right. Right. Exactly. It's wild, right? It's uh, I think a lot of people didn't know what to expect from Kate's because Kate's has done big action like this mm-hmm. before, but also more thought-provoking stuff too. So it's cool to see the Hulk's being treated in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not seeing the same old, same old. At the same time, it's such a bold choice that I'm like in shock. <laughs> yeah, and it's building off of some interesting like dangling threads from King and Black and you know some of yeah. Kate's other work, which I think is uh, was really cool to see. Like I didn't I didn't expect that at all either. Um, but totally. I, I also don't think I think it's it's interesting because it builds off of things that came before. But it also I feel like new readers and longtime readers will be on the same footing like when this mm-hmm. starts because everyone's just trying to figure out what the hell happened to Hulk. Right. Totally. It it makes sense to move on from Immortal Hulk with a book kind of like this because mm-hmm. there's going to be just people who adore immortals so much and then they're yeah. gonna pick this up and be like what oh i guess yeah. i'll i it's, guess i'm on board yeah it's completely different it couldn't be more mm-hmm. different for sure right uh my second favorite book week was night of the ghoul number two by scott snyder and francesco francavilla mm-hmm. um this is the comiXology originals one of the first three of eight snyder is putting out through comiXology yeah 
Good book. This might have... Yes! Yeah. So, I didn't... Of the three that launched, this the first issue of this was the one that I was like, eh, mm-hmm. I was a little less uh, um, hyped for. But the second issue, holy crap, yeah. it is so unnerving. It is so disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like uh, the first one's a lot of table setting, and this one, which I I loved the first issue, but this one definitely gets more into the paranoia of it and the humanity of the story, and mm-hmm. still like mm-hmm. layers in new mysteries. Uh, this was my favorite book of the week, so I'm just going to throw that out right now. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this issue rules. I, uh, I have you ever read, uh, seen the movie uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like there must be some sort of homage there, especially in the opening page where we see the the monster. Oh, sure, yeah, amongst these like weird angled. A uh, little like... bit of that, a little bit of Nosferatu, like with mm-hmm. the, the long fingers, and yeah, there's some really really crazy stuff with shadows done in this issue. Right, totally. It uh, it also kind of you know fills in some of the gaps as far as how the monster got to America uh, mm-hmm. from World War One, and uh, oh yeah, my gosh, it, it, the scene where the this kid is trying to convince people that his dad isn't the person who came back is is haunting. Right, it is right, and I mean he's just a kid, and especially in older times like that, where like you know respect your elders and all that, you have to just yeah, you carry have no on. idea what your dad's seen over there, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's a great setup. Um, and like just visually, it's stunning. It's so different from anything else out there. Absolutely. Um, um, I would say uh, if, if you're interested yeah. in the Best Jacket Press books, um, Comic Book Couples Counseling also just had a really great interview with, with Scott Snyder where he like goes into literally everything that inspired each of the books. Like his, He kind of just goes off on a, on a tear where he, he, he really gets into the nitty gritty. It's really fun. Yeah, totally check that out. Um, and we had an interview with him a few weeks ago, too. Mm-hmm. I forget how deep he got into it, but um, yeah, I'm sure he'll be on the show again sometime. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, we've already covered your favorite book of the week in yeah. a way. Anything else to add? <laughs> no, I just I loved I loved how like just creepy and eerie it is. It, mm-hmm. it builds off the first one in, in really interesting ways. It still is a slow burn, which I'm really appreciating. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's punctuated by these these tiny moments of just cosmic terror. Uh, there's one shot that I, I I don't mean to compare it to low art, but there is a shot huh. of a bunch of people sitting up in a hospital that reminded me of, uh, or there, there's a there's a shot of a row of hospital beds that reminded me of mm-hmm. Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> oh, I that's funny. Rewatched it. Um, <laughs> but there's some there's just some great horror imagery in this that kind of sneaks up on you and. It, mm. it, it, this book is more interested in getting under your skin than outright scaring you, and I, I really dig mm-hmm. that. Yeah, totally. It's it's not like a shock kind of horror. Right. It's a creepy, don't look in your closet kind of horror. Right, and it seems like there's <laughs> conspiracy upon conspiracy, like on the fringes of each page. So I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how that all fills itself out. Totally. Uh, my favorite book of the week was Amazing Spider-Man number seventy nine by Cody Ziegler and Michael Dowling. Mm-hmm. This is the first issue by uh, Ziegler, who is part of the Beyond Board writing crew. Yeah. Uh, the new creative team that's doing Spider-Man right now. This issue, I was just astounded by how much was in it. Like, we get to see Ben interact with Peter, who's still in a coma. We get to see a big action scene with, um, uh, <laughs> I forgot his name all of a sudden, uh, Craven the Hunter. Oh, yeah. Um. We get to see uh, some interactions between Ben and the Beyond Corp people. And, you know, at this point, 
it's pretty clear that Beyond's interests aren't necessarily the to keep Ben and Riley alive, mm-hmm. but to you know get their own sort of um, motivations accomplished while also saving people. So it's not just uh, they're, they're not just doing this out of the kindness of their heart. There are other motivations. And so in this issue, uh, the president or whatever, the, one of the corporate people from the company is attacked by Craven, and Spider-Man is sent to save them. And there's like an interesting moment where Ben is just like, so where are our interests lied? Are right. we supposed to just protect these, you know, people with golden parachutes or regular people too? <laughs> right, right. And uh, it's also cool to see, you know, Ben, we haven't seen him, uh, you know, be Spider-Man like this in ages. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see him like use his mind. He like he, he uses some tech to put a do not disturb on his suit so that they don't know he's visiting Peter. Um, the art is exceptional. The coloring is really good too. Um it was just, I would have gave this book a 10, but as a serial story, you still got to read the previous issues to really get it. Right, right. Um, there are limitations to that kind of thing. But this book, it just had so much content in it. And I'm just reminded of like that era of comics where it took six issues to get like a bar fight, <laughs> you know? <laughs> sure. The decompression is not present here at all. It's just so much going on. It's all killer, it's just, no filler. Yeah, exactly. It's like you could tell the creators are going all out to, you know, really just entertain. They're not well, and that's, holding back at all. That was the thing that we were talking about when it went weekly. And then also when they added in mm. all those, you know, point beyond issues uh, yeah. in the interim. And we were just trying to figure out, like, well, how how can you sustain this? And somehow this run has been a sustained level of fun and intrigue and action and character development. I have not felt like the it's 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 insane how cohesive Amazing Spider-Man mm. feels with so many different voices writing it. Yeah, and, and and there's so many different new character dynamics in play, which mm-hmm. probably is why I love it so much. Like Ben and Beyond people, mm-hmm. Ben and Mary Jane, uh even Black Cat is involved now. You've had us you've had Amazing on your top 2 pretty much every week since this run started also, which I Oh, think really? Have something, I? Yeah, no, which I think like I it makes me happy because it it reminds me that like yeah, we're 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 eating we're eating well right now if you're a Spider-Man fan. It's so true. I uh I just reviewed uh Sinister War. Mm-hmm. Was that what it's called? Yeah. I can't remember. I'm it's trying been, to forget. It's been so long. <laughs> who, who It's who was Kindred? What? I uh well it's it's it, complicated. Are you ready? It's... Well, this is going to be a four hour episode now. Oh. Let me start. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, Gwen Stacy and Norman Osborn. <laughs> it's nice to that. I don't know. It's I, I know some people are Peter Parker purists and are annoyed that Ben is the Spider Man right now, but we're in this. It's like we're it's like a soft reboot in a sense. Yeah. That's like where they put Peter down for a little nap. Yeah, while Ben does some cool stay stuff. Gone guys, relax. No. no. <laughs> And like he kind of deserves a break after that whole kindred two and a half year Absolutely. drawn out story. <laughs> that guy's so had by the time he wakes up, all over him. Yeah, yeah, or whatever those uh, things were. It is such a juxtaposition between that era and this era now, because it's. I mean, obviously, so much has changed, so it's hard to compare it one to one. But the general vibe, obviously, Spider Man isn't quipping constantly like he, he has in the past right. right now. But there is like a positivity and a and a yeah. openness to it because of the new creators but also all this new stuff that's being thrown in absolutely so check that out i don't know if you've heard of spider-man but if you have or have not he's check amazing that <laughs> spectacular even yeah <laughs> in our next segment top books for next week we're talking about our most anticipated comic 
out next week. And I, my God, we chose the same book. Yeah. The Me You Love in the Dark, number five. Yeah, by Scotty Young and Jorge Corona. This book is so unique. It's like a romance and a horror. Yeah. And also there's like an art artist struggle that's kind of intriguing as well. Like she's she's had this, not writer's block, but she couldn't paint or she didn't yeah. feel inspired and now she does, but she's in a really bad relationship. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> take on a toxic relationship because they yeah. they begin to find each other to be amused, this 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 entity that lives in her house and it slowly turns wrong i mean she's not allowed to leave she's not allowed to stop talking to him she has to do everything that he says he she can't have company um yeah. and you know it's it's uh it's framed as you know this this evil demon that or whatever it is that has taken over her home but it it's uh the the parallels there are just so fascinating and the last uh issue ended mm-hmm. with just like one of the scariest <laughs> images of the series and it just feels uh, i mean the the cover for the next issue is the house on fire you know and we'll yeah. see how literal that is when we when we get to read this yeah she's literally trapped yeah. but in a way it's an emotional entrapment isn't it yeah of course it's um, a dependency whereas, she wasn't even able to to draw or paint before she right. got here and, you know, usually with the haunted house stories, you're trapped because the ghost won't let you out right. physically. Like, they close the doors. But, yeah, there's an interesting play here with all, with all the tropes we know and and how they're, like, developing it out. Yeah. I could see this as, like, a fantastic, like, five-episode miniseries. Oh, yeah. I mean, this would – yeah, this would also – yeah, this would make a hell of a movie for sure. Visually, it's just so stunning. The way it plays with light and sound even when she plays records, it's really cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, sound, the sound is, like, depicted like a spinal cord, I think. Yeah, right? yeah. It's really weird. I love it. Yeah, so totally check that out next week. Probably be on one of our uh, top twos, I'm sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. In our next segment, Judging by the Cover, Junior, talk about our favorite cover art on a book out next week, and next week only. Yep. I say that not knowing if the printing issues will continue. I hope not. I hope we're okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked um, Batman Fear State Omega, number one, Mm -hmm. by Jamal Campbell. I didn't link to it, so you can't see it. But I know. Um, if you go to aptcoms.com, you can see the cover on the site. Uh, this cover has a ton of Bat Family characters. Mm-hmm. Probably all of them. I haven't I haven't checked, but um, it's a good number. It's kind of. It's got a <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. Um, it's got um, some great symmetry with Batman in the center of yeah. this uh, page, and all the characters kind of enveloping around him. It's almost like a movie cover in that way, where you have like different kind of angles on characters. You got full body shots, you got a kind of got the, you know, waist up kind of shot. Yeah. No giant man. head. Ten-eyed man really stick into that uh bent over backwards aesthetic, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I missed him. That's a good <laughs> eye right there. And he's almost going boo. Which yeah, is I love it. But yeah, there's a lot a lot to to like soak in. Jamal Campbell's art is always so good. So, great. so rich and colorful and um yeah, that's why it's my favorite cover of the week. What yeah. you got? Um, I went with Amazing Spider-Man number 80, uh, cover art by Art Adams. The This is a very uh, uh, hallucinogenic uh, cover. It's Craven yeah. uh, the Hunter holding Ben Riley and about to chow down on him. Craven, a character that we know has eaten a few spiders in his time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, this uh, really tripped me out. Uh, ben is... Uh, portrayed as almost skeletal and melting mm. in some spots. Mm-hmm. 
the spider on his chest is raised like it's broken free of the suit and is crawling away. The eyes on the mask are actually eyeballs complete with uh, uh, veins that are popping out. And uh, it's just a really gnarly cover. It feels like uh, Ben is in, uh, in uh, uh, bleh, is out of his depth here. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't. You'll be eaten <laughs> by a Russian uh, big game hunter. <laughs> I love how you can still see the metal cartridge on his wrist. Like yes. that detail is still in there, yeah, that's right? Great. Also, the spider on his chest is like, it's not hugging him. It's like trying to tear him apart or yeah, something. Yeah, it's, it's like crazy. the fangs are actually puncturing his suit. Yeah. And have you ever screamed so loud that like little bits of green drool come out of your face? Yes, every morning. That's how I wake up. <laughs> My partner hates it, but... <laughs> morning That's show business, baby. <laughs> There's a cost to being this good. That's right. <laughs> no, that's such a cool cover. It's so tr- it's so out there. I yeah. can't believe they even let him go this way. Because, and this is like, the main cover. I had to double yeah. check like three times to make sure this wasn't a variant. Like I just I yeah. love it. Because variants usually take a little more chances, but yeah. this is wow, this is really going for it. Pretty wild. Very cool. In our last segment, off topic top shelf, we're gonna talk about two shows. Yeah. That's right. That we're really digging right now. Both by Disney, you're right. Yeah. We're such shills. <laughs> we are. The yeah. mouse. Pray to the mouse. <laughs> Couple um, of goofy bros. It's quite a week for, for TV, actually. I mean, The Beatles Get Back, a documentary yeah. series by Peter Jackson, recutting the Let It Be uh, documentary footage that was shot when they were Over uh, 60 hours album. of footage. Yeah. 120 hours of audio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which yeah. actually you can tell when you watch it because there are moments where like you can tell that they didn't actually have video, but they're putting words in their mouths. You know what I mean? Or yeah, or they're showing like a still image and play. Yeah, because there's there's a sequence like with John and Paul in a cafeteria that they've just had to like, you know, play the audio. Um, there's, but it's it's interesting. It's it's um, you know the the original Let It Be documentary was very much focused on the drama. You know, mm-hmm. like it showed a band falling apart and they were, but this, um, the, the aim of this documentary is to show the creative process and to also kind of let fans know that they didn't completely hate each other at the end. Right. Um, right. you know, there's still a whole lot of drama, you know, people leaving the band and coming back and, uh, Paul being a bit of a control, fr- being a major control freak. I mean, there's one <laughs> bit where they, they're recording, uh, they're, they're jamming "Don't Let Me Down," which is such a simple song, um, and its and its strength comes in its simplicity. And Paul is just like trying to throw in like a round and like all of these like syncopated rhythms and a different like backing vocal. You know, mm-hmm. he's like he's like, "Oh, you should sing, you should sing this part in the middle of this part, and then I'll do <laughs> you play the guitar like that." And um, you know, and, and he doesn't really get the fact that like the skeleton is all you need for that song. There's, there's, I don't right. know. It's, it's really fascinating to see how their creative process changed, but also to see them say like, you know, John will start playing a song that they wrote when they were 15 and Paul immediately remembers it and starts playing it. Right. Um, right. There's so much history there. I mean, they're like brothers. Yeah. And it, it is, it's incredible also to just remember that all of these guys were still in their twenties doing this. i know right i mean the and this is their 12th album it, it was like their sixth uh hang on yeah let me look that up it was oh it was their 12th album holy cow i know right oh because yeah cause you feel... they, they'd put out you know they'd put out those eps and um 
uh, Yellow Submarine and Magical Mystery Tour and all that stuff. Yeah, it is insane how much the Beatles did in such a short amount of time. Um, you know, 1963 is when Please Please Me comes out. Let It Be comes out in 1970. I mean, that's mm-hmm. insane. <laughs> it's like seven years, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's incredible seeing their writing process. I mean, you you pointed out to me that it feels like we're just hanging out with the band. Yeah, so if you, I could see how a, a non diehard would be a little bored because sure. it it is slow. It lets it it's it lingers. It sits on them, kind of just hanging out a little bit. Yeah. But in that hangout, you can see the creation of songs mm-hmm. or see some subtleties as far as their relationships and you know there is of course because it's a documentary there is a, some. Uh, directing going on from Peter Jackson with editing and stuff to sort of convey something. Mm-hmm. But I, I imagine he's staying true to everything that's real. It's just that he could see things that maybe we could not with lack yeah. of footage or whatever or context. Well, he's also, yeah, he's pointed out there's a, there's a disclaimer at the top that says like, we've done everything we can to make sure that we don't misrepresent any conversations. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. If you're a Beatles fan, uh, it's the most. It feels like the most comprehensive look at their process that we've ever gotten. You know, since the anthology days, and uh, there is a lot of it. I mean, the first episode is two hours and thirty seven minutes long. Yeah, and it's yep. three episodes. Yeah, if you're interested in like the creative process, um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything else like this because it's allowed to take its time. Yeah. And also just really little neat. eccentricities. It's so fun to see. I mean, it's it's always fun to remember that Ringo is genuinely a hilarious human being. Uh, <laughs> there's a shot. There's that bit where Paul takes a cigarette out of his mouth and loops his guitar string through it so that he can keep playing, which is pretty great. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I just really dug it. I also um really dug Hawkeye the first two. Yeah, episodes me of too. I'm so appreciative that we got two episodes, not just one too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that came out on Friday, I think, right? Um, or was it no? Was it Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving, Thursday? yeah, Wednesday yeah. or Thursday. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I will say, I haven't been, I haven't been exactly sold on the MCU's version of Hawkeye because they mm-hmm. seem to want to make him Ultimate Hawkeye and Fraction hmm. Hawkeye at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially in this series where, uh, but I, you know, I, I feel like they've done some some interesting adjustments to him. It's also, it's harder to buy him as like a, a sweet uh, down on his luck fellow when he's a celebrity and spent five years murdering people. <laughs> but, you know, I, uh, it also gets free meals wherever he goes. But if you try to like, if you try to like push some of that baggage out of your head, it's, it's a, it's a pretty great approximation of, uh, of what I want from a Hawkeye series. I, I also, Really enjoy Haley Steinfeld as uh, as Kate Bishop, who's my my Hawkeye. Like <laughs> I love her. I was uh, I was surprised to find I don't think it's much of a spoiler, but uh, her soon to be stepdad is Swordsman. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I comments, didn't expect yeah. that. I had to look up his name because I was like, who is this guy supposed to be? Yeah, which is a classic Avengers villain, which sure. is pretty cool. Yeah, um, Ronan wasn't in the remixing of canon here too. Which I yeah, because really like. Ronan, the Ronan costume, that whole thing was not in the Fraction Aja no. run, was it? No, no. no and no. Kate was not exactly a Clint Barton fangirl either. Which is, you know, my my biggest issue with MCU Spider Man is that he's an Avengers fanboy. So I, uh, right. that's not my favorite thing, but it is a it is a 
clever way to tie this character into the ongoing, you know, wider universe of the films. Was Kate a um, rich kid in the comics? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was? I mean, okay. she's, she, she has, uh, <laughs> well, her family tree is a mess. She's kind of like pushed away from her family uh-huh. um, for a variety of reasons. But yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I saw on uh, Reddit there, um, if you, if you <laughs> zoom in on any of the toys and young Kate Bishop's uh, bedroom uh-huh. in the first episode when there's the Avengers attack or the attack in event that take, took place in the Avengers Oh, yeah, the movie. Battle of New York. Yeah. There's like an Ikea doll that didn't uh, exist in 2012. Oh, and gotcha. <laughs> people are like pulling apart the continuity of that's those. Very, of every. That's unnecessary. <laughs> I know, right? Like someone's like, what's the deal with the giraffe? Someone explained to me the giraffe. It's like, yo, every doll in that room isn't like a story Easter egg, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's very odd. I mean, that. That's a. That, I feel like you're looking at the wrong things at that point. Right, right, right. There's an it is kind of neat that they went back. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about that. Like when she has when her you know when her dad dies and and there's like a explosion into the apartment they live in because of that Avengers thing. Do you suppose they're trying to? Are they trying to like I don't know, not mimic, but evoke the same horror and fear that we all had during 9/11? Oh, I think there's a little bit of that in in a lot of Avengers stuff. I mean, the the yeah. going for those. We, we kind of talked about this recently on Silver Linings playlist, uh, uh, where you know the the Sam Raimi Spider Man made a conscious effort to embrace that like we all got to stick together mentality, uh, right, especially right. the first two films. And uh, I, I think that there is a little bit of that. Like this is you know it. it the Battle of New York prior to Thanos attacking was like, or you know, the erasing half the universe is mm-hmm. essentially like the worst thing to ever happen to a major city in in the Marvel right. universe. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, I, I think that there is a conscious effort to kind of uh, evoke those kinds of, uh, of of primal fears and and you know shared experience. Um, I think it's done pretty well because we've never yeah. really seen something like that from the ground perspective, you know, even in Avengers yeah. when civilians were running away from the damage, we were seeing it through, well, Captain America is going to help get these people to safety, you know, right. Uh, right. He's going to direct traffic or whatever. And this is like, we're actually seeing how, a, that was the stuff that was so fascinating to me about the Netflix shows was we'd have characters like Jessica Jones or, or Matt Murdock talking about surviving the battle of New York. And I'm like, I want right. to see those stories. I want to see Ben yeah. Eric, like in the trenches, like taking photos. And um, so I feel like we got a, we got a good, uh, good taste of that here. I thought it was a, it was, it was a really ballsy way to open a story by showing how the Avengers uh, didn't save everyone, you know? Right. Yeah, there were casualties. I don't know if any one building toppled, but those giant whale thingies definitely took chunks out of buildings. For sure. (laughs) Whale thingies. Big old whale thingies. The free willies. There's a a scene with uh, a secret rich people auction. Yeah. And there's like a stegosaurus. (laughs) And I saw folks online saying, Oh my God, Savage Land confirmed. (laughs) Oh wow! That again—that's very much a stretch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, it'd be—it would be—it would be a nice nod, I suppose. But yeah, that's fun. I, I mean, I'm—I'm it, it, I'm sure Savage Land will come up some point, similar to Wakanda, in that yeah. no one knew it existed until the MCU decided it, it was—it was, it was to be time it. to be revealed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, I—I—I I, 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 I kind of hope David Aja got a fat check. I don't think he did, Ooh. but um. 
the um, opening animations uh oh the, my gosh. a lot of yeah even like cinematography in scenes you can kind of if you love that series or read it yeah. you can see it and so much of the visual style of this of the show is aja but not quite as good as david aja's work right. as well yeah it's interesting i i that's been a big uh topic of conversation this week and uh, you know I, I saw that matt fractions credited as like a consulting producer yeah um, but i yeah i would love to i think i think aja gets a thanks credit at the end but mm, yeah mm-hmm. I, I i always feel this way whenever we have a something comes out that that is clearly indebted to a specific artist or run um that i i, I hope that I hope that they do get something, but it doesn't seem like that's exactly what's happening. I mean, we remember Ed Brubaker saying that he's mm. he got more money for his cameo in Winter Soldier than he has for any of Bucky's appearances in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's an unfortunate element. Yeah. It's not just Marvel, too. I was <laughs> completely un- sure. unrelated in a way, but uh, the guy who played the Soup Nazi, I was watching an interview <laughs> with him, uh-huh. and he said uh, at the time when he played the Soup Nazi, like, you, you as a side actor not a main player yeah you could only make like two thousand six hundred dollars yeah he was like a day player yeah right and then he was talking about how he used to he'd never say no soup for you ever because he just didn't want to say it right but now that the cameo exists that app where you can pay a celebrity to to like say hello or happy birthday or whatever he said he's made like quadruple like a career's worth of money from that alone, I believe it. Compared to actually playing the role, Brian Baumgartner, who played Kevin on The Office, has made the most money off of cameo. I think that anybody else has. Like he is, he's like he's got a second career through just doing cameos as Kevin. That's crazy. I mean, that's why we see celebrities on convention circuits too, right? Sure. Like the the truth is that a lot of the money doesn't go to these play people that end up becoming the cherished best part in our memories. Yeah, right. But uh, no, <laughs> back to the main topic. Uh, I'm really excited for Hawkeye. You know what else I'm excited for? What's that? The fact that it's only six episodes. Yeah. So it's not like it's a huge buy-in. It also feels like a, a long movie. Like it doesn't, mm, mm-hmm. that first, that second episode picked up literally the second that the first one ended. And so I'm right. I'm hoping we keep that kind of momentum. I love that it's a shorter run. I feel like mm-hmm. we can, we can, and it's, and it's a, it's a, it's a heist story. It's a little MacGuffin story. So I'm, I'm excited that it's not, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's trying to change the world <laughs> like, right. like some of these have right. tried to do. Um, I just want to watch a fun action story. Uh, and I think... And I want trick arrows. And, and I think I we're going to get trick it. arrows, for sure. I think they sh- they talked about that in the trailer, so that's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just... If there is a, an arrow with a uh, boxing glove on it, <laughs> A plus. I was very pleased when like arrow actually managed to make that happen in like the third season. And it's that it was, I was so happy about that, bro, bro. It's so cool, bro, bro. It is bro, bro. Um, bro. I did. I, I love the, bo- I'm a, I'm a boxing glove arrow fanatic. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like only comics, but not anymore. Not anymore. Right. Right. Well, this show will continue to be only comics as we barrel on into the year and reach yeah. 200 episodes. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, tell your friends, and uh, enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, everyone, be good, be safe, and uh, read some comics. Whoop, whoop. 